It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flip composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a great show in store today, kicking off this uh, Monday edition of the Tom Sumner Program, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk with, uh, and I hope I get this name right, Beth Anstendig. And she is the author of a new book called The Human Herd, Awaking Our Natural Leadership. And then in the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk uh, in hour two with, um, let's see, who who do we have here? Um, Well, I, oh, Jory Lewis. I, I don't know why I couldn't think of that name. He is the author of um, Slaves for Peanuts, a story of conquest, liberation, and a crop that changed history. But we're going to talk with uh, this first hour. We're going to open up with a talk about free speech and uh, the state of the speech codes at Michigan colleges, thanks to a report from FIRE the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. And uh, from that organization, joining me by phone is uh, Ryan. And again, this is uh, one of those things. Uh, Let's see if I get this right. Anslone, Ryan Anslone. Have I got that right, Ryan? That's perfect, yeah. Well, Ryan, good morning and welcome. Uh, Thanks for uh, being here this morning. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. Happy to be here. Um, God, there's so many things I want to talk about with regard to this. Let me let me start by uh, by asking just very quickly, um, what is Fire? Where? How did how did Fire come about, and what is the mission of Fire? Sure. I mean, uh, Fire is a couple decades old, and we are a nonprofit, a nonpartisan. Uh, legal foundation focused on free speech, uh, free expression, and due process on America's college campuses. Uh, We were founded by um, an academic and uh, a lawyer who saw what was going on with uh, speech codes, which are um, policies that campuses have that regulate expression. Um, And they were concerned that basically students uh, were being more and more regulated in what they could say uh, and where they could say it on college campuses, and they wanted to make sure that there's an organization out there that could uh, advocate on their behalf and enter fire. Why did you pick Michigan? 
to study or did you do all of the states and and just contacted me about the the michigan uh, uh well we haven't done all of the states yet uh individually uh we previously did a report uh focused on speech codes in north carolina uh that was a few years ago um and we saw that when you focused uh, an analysis on some on a particular state, uh, we were able to kind of get just a better picture and advocate uh, for those policies to be changed a little bit more directly. But we do have an annual report called uh, our Spotlight Report, our Spotlight and Speech Codes Report that kind of looks at, takes a nationwide look and uh, focuses on almost 500 schools. Uh, but there's, there's ultimately a lot of schools that are of varying size. So when you're able to focus on a single state uh, like Michigan, you can get a better picture uh, for what the landscape is as a whole. You know, it's interesting. I, I had a guest on the show just recently, a journalist who works in both the U.S. and Canada. And he was on the show. We were talking about uh, uh, Canadian uh, protests of um, vaccine mandates and and the uh the truck drivers uh protest coming out of canada and and blocking the the borders and with michigan being you know bordered uh by canada um it was it was kind of interesting to have him on but he told me something that i think you get a kick out of and it and it may even spawn a new report i don't know um but he said that when the uh, Prime Minister of Canada, when he invoked certain not very often used uh, uh, emergency uh, powers to shut down the protests, the complaints they were getting back was that it was unconstitutional and that their freedom of speech rights were being violated. Which is funny because Canada has no constitution and no built-in Bill of Rights, including the right to free speech. But that being bordered on the U.S., they're so used to hearing those arguments that they just assume that those rights are, are global, that they're universal. Right, and, and I think um, that's one of the good things i mean it, it, if if america can export anything exporting uh or, you know a respect for individual liberty and free speech uh is certainly not a bad thing <laughs> now you say uh, in this report or or at least uh in something i read about the report it indicates that something like uh 2% of michigan students attend a university that respects free speech that's right, yeah, uh, and that comes from, uh, there's only one school in the report, Michigan Technological University, that has, uh, that earns a green light rating, meaning that they, that we were not able to find any policies that uh, unduly restricted free, free expression, uh, and in our research, it looks like uh, Michigan Tech only has, uh, accounts for 2% of the student population uh, that we looked at uh every other university had some sort of policies um, more often than not several policies uh that could be used to uh restrict student speech 
in a way that would uh, be counter to First Amendment standards. You know, it's appropriate that the organization, that the acronym for the organization is FIRE, because um, yelling fire in a crowded theater has always been sort of the the model for the exception to blanket free speech. Um, are there degrees to which colleges are curbing free speech, and and is it uh, about public safety and and maintaining some sort of order when they do, or is it more political than that? It's an interesting question. I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater, and unfortunately, it can be even more complicated than that, because that's uh, actually, you know, despite being probably the most well-known line of, uh, regarding the First Amendment, it's, uh, that's not the, the standard uh, legally anymore, uh, and it hasn't been for a while. Um, and so th- there are situations where administrators can take steps that would uh, ultimately place restrictions on speech. Uh, most of the time, you can they can regulate, uh, they can put in place time, place, and manner restrictions but too often uh, you see policies that try and regulate the specific type of speech, uh, either the viewpoint or the content of the speech itself, uh, and that is a line that they can't cross. Uh, one example would be uh, a lot of policies res- uh, say that you can't say something that's offensive. Um, and there's a way to look at that and say, well, sure, a university wouldn't want students going around saying offensive things uh, that could, you know, be potentially perceived as a negative aspect of the campus. But students or, have a right to say offensive to, things. Or hurtful to other people on the campus. Right. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, that everyone has their own view on what is offensive or or what is going to hurt, you know, what hurts one person's feelings might not uh, hurt another. But if universities are going to be, uh, you know, institutions of higher learning, places where important discussions are had, it is important that students are able to uh, engage in the full array of, uh, of expression, are able to speak without fear that, you know, some one person's feelings might be hurt and that could subject them to a, a long, drawn-out uh, disciplinary process. Um, and so we, when a school has policies that uh, Lake Superior State University is an example of uh, a university that earns a red light, rating in our report because they specifically say that uh, students can't post uh, materials around the campus that might be uh, offensive, uh, that that's just a line that universities can't cross. There are two places where we see this issue come up most frequently in the news. One is debates over... uh, noted speakers visiting the campus, either for uh, commencement addresses or other public speeches, and and barring some and not others. Um, the other is when we see 
hate speech graffiti. Things, things with the N word, with, with swastikas, with with other sorts of images. We see those things pop up in the news. Are there things that aren't as as obvious as as those things going on with regard to curbing uh, free speech? Those definitely come up. Um, I mean, FIRE, for example, maintains uh, a database documenting disinvitation attempts, attempts where, you know, one organization or a student uh, might invite a speaker that other people don't want to be get, be allowed to have a platform. David, so they David make, Duke, for example. That's one example. There's a lot. Um, there, there's been... Uh, a lot more innocuous, uh, you know, people who are who are even less obviously inflammatory. I mean, uh, ben, ben Shapiro is, is an example that comes up a lot. Uh, there's other speakers, you know, maybe someone who is a, uh, a pro-abortion speaker, uh, but there's pro-life activists who uh, object to that person being given a platform. Um, th- there's there's it, it really runs the gamut uh, in terms of disinvitations. And so we, we try and keep uh, a database to make sure that we are keeping track of that. Um, but in, in terms of other policies or other restrictions on speech, yeah, I, I think we see a lot of uh, information technology, like I, IT policies it, uh, have been increasingly used, I would say. We, we tr- we track them in the in Michigan, for example. I think it's over sixty percent of schools had at least one IT policy that restricted expression, um, and I think one of the reasons that that's increasing uh, has to do with just the. I mean, the internet is everywhere, and I think as schools. Had to move classes online uh, in the midst of the pandemic, as students engage with each other more on social media, uh, or even in chats uh, facilitated by the school for education purposes. Schools are aware that those conversations can flow in onto campus. You know what? Maybe what? Maybe they view it that as what happens on the internet doesn't stay on the internet. And so they they tried to regulate that, um, but they do it in in ways that simply don't comport with the First Amendment. Uh, and so it's important that as they try and address what are perfect, what are what are important conversations and important uh, engagements, they have to do it in a way that respects students' right to free speech. Ryan, I need to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely, thanks. Great. My guest is uh, Ryan Anslone. He is uh, from FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. We're talking about uh, a report that FIRE did, State of the Speech Codes, Michigan. We're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze in a few words, and then we'll be Hello right back. Hello everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with um, Ryan Ansloan from the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, or FIRE. And uh, we've been talking about a new study uh, by the Foundation that analyzes the state of free speech at 26 Michigan colleges and universities. Um, Ryan, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Not a problem. Happy to be here. Um, Ryan, in the last segment, we were talking a little bit about um, the degree to which uh, various colleges um, curb free speech and and about some of the possible motives for that um, having to do with public decorum and and, uh, sensitivity to some of the people uh, on campus. Um, But I want to ask something, you know, we've been looking at, and and I mean the uh, um, the royal we, you know, all of us uh, around the country have been looking at news sources and and uh, with a great deal of, of or with a great deal of lack of trust and it's it's become evident that newspapers and television outlets, especially cable television outlets, although I'm not sure the especially is appropriate, um, have a certain political agenda. And as we look back through the history of newspapers, um, like colleges, we always expected historically that these were the bastions of free speech. But it turns out that newspapers always had a bend to them. Some papers were liberal, some papers were more conservative. Is the same thing going on at colleges? That's an interesting question. Um, In in other words, are there colleges that, for example, would ban a uh, a pro-life speaker, but yet allow uh, freedom to choose rallies? I think, you know, I mean, in my department, uh, we try and reform these policies by working with administrators um, before they are applied in a way that would actually, you know, punish someone for free engaging in free expression and i i would say most of the time uh administrators are doing their best i i think their best to work on behalf of the university uh to act in a, in a fair way um i think a lot of times they are acting sort of i think people are mostly self-interested and self uh you know they're 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 risk averse um and so i think because of that they are responding to outside forces uh that could rock the boat and i think for the longest time one of one of the big reasons that we see the policies be applied in 
in a way that we perceive to be politically motivated is that they're responding to groups that rock the boat. And, and for the longest time, those have been coming from, uh, you know, liberal faculty, liberal uh, student organizations. And so when they're applied, they're probably applied in that direction. I think late, I think, so I, I think that maybe it's not so much that there's uh, an institutional political agenda so much as it is when these policies are on the books, when they are applied, they're, they're applied in a way that could that could could impact anyone, uh, and so regardless of you know anyone's political agenda, I think it's important that we have an even playing field, of, uh, rules that are fair, and I think that's one of the great things about something like the First Amendment is that it's there to protect anyone, and it's important that schools understand that uh, and that their policies reflect those rights. Um, so I, I think it helps that it, it should, the first amendment should help everyone. Free speech should help everyone. Uh, and when policies that we're identifying in this report are on the books, anyone's free speech rights are at risk. And so it actually concern everyone. Should free speech rights be universal? Um, and, and if there are some exceptions, how might they have been taken into consideration in the study that you did? If, if there are certain um, mm -hmm. uh, disinvites, for example, for speakers who are known for having followers that become violent? Well, I think schools have a, obviously have a, a right to protect their campus community from... Uh, genuine threats of violence. I think a lot of times what we have, what we see uh, when universities claim that there are safety risks is that uh, they are either threats that uh, came from clashes between supporters and uh, those who, who object to what the speaker is saying, uh, and I think when, when that's when you run into the risk of something like a heckler's veto, uh, which is basically uh, threats from from other or organizations that don't want to hear that speech, uh, who are threatening to respond with violence, and so that you're able to basically shut down a speaker based on something that they don't have necessarily have control over. Um, and so I think that schools have to be careful of that, but of course they have the op they have uh, the right to respond to genuine threats of violence. Too often they have policies that are simply too expansive and broad, uh, and and it and it runs the risk of violating those free speech rights. Um, so I, I think that they have tools in the toolbox to preserve. Uh, peace on campus, they just have to do it in the right way. How far back do some of these policies go? I Something is, is making me think that maybe a lot of these things were born in the anti-war demonstration era of the 60s. 
there's a lot of variance. Um, most of the time, uh, I mean, there there are plenty of policies that uh, stay on the books for years and years and simply, uh, you know, just kind of get continuously uh, reapproved without maybe too much uh, of a critical eye. That being said, I, I think a lot of policies are written so that they are they have to be reevaluated um, fairly regularly. Uh, I, I know I mentioned the uh, the IT policies. Obviously, those are are fairly recent, uh, and they have to constantly be updated because of the the changing landscape of the internet. Um, but I, I would say a surprising number of these policies are are not that are not necessarily that old. Uh, schools have to reevaluate them to make sure that they apply to the campus as it as it sta stands presently. Uh, and they also have to make sure that, you know, any new court cases that might come out, uh, that the policies are consistent with that. Um, when a new, when a new uh, administrator comes in, uh, a new dean of students or a new provost, for example, a lot of times they want to uh, take a look at those policies. So I, I don't know that so many of them uh, are necess necessarily date back that far, but I, I do think a lot of the concerns uh, probably stem from that, uh, that, that period, yeah. The study looked at 26 Michigan colleges. Were the policies um, vastly different from college to college? Um, I, I I wouldn't say vastly different. Uh, there is a lot of the, a lot of the mistakes uh, or problems that we see in policies uh, are not unique. A, a lot of them uh, kind of take from each other. I'm sure when they are drafting them in the first place, um, I think they try and tailor them to their specific university as much as possible, but we, we, we do see uh, a lot of similar language across these policies, um, which, you know, it is a problem on the one hand, but on the other hand, it could be a positive if, uh, you know, some schools see this report and view it as an opportunity to improve their policies. Um, you know, it, it would be fantastic if that could lead to a sort of domino effect where other, you know, other schools see that and view and, and also view it as an opportunity to update their policies to kind of strike the balance between their interests uh, and students' rights. Do colleges um, get together and and meet about various uh, policy issues, curriculum issues? Uh, sport regulation, different things that are of uh, mutual interest to colleges? I'd say so, yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, just relationships between the uh, individuals who have very unique jobs uh, that really only they fully understand having gone through it. Uh, and then there's also just uh, conferences, but uh, where there's a, you know an opportunity to talk in more detail, uh, network, and also explore 
some potential solutions to uh, constantly emerging problems uh, that that they feel they have to deal with. Uh, and we've actually, uh, you know, as an organization, tried to sort of have have a bit of a presence and at at some of these uh, engagements and just try and uh, serve as a resource for those camp for those individuals uh, for those administrators because we understand that they have a difficult job of course uh, and we just want to make sure that they keep in mind uh, that when they're drafting these policies they do it in a way that respects free speech rights my uh, guest is Ryan Anslone program officer for the foundation for individual rights in education or fire Ryan, um, we've been talking primarily about free speech because the the recent study um, looked at free speech at uh, 26 Michigan colleges and universities. Um, But are there other things, uh, other things that have to do with um, individual rights and uh, Um, does the foundation um, look at more than just colleges when it's uh, studying education? Uh, Yeah, we we have uh, an array of interests that, uh, for example, we do focus uh, as well on um, due process. So we have a similar report that looks at uh, the at how well universe, the top 50 universities uh, have, how well their disciplinary procedures respect due process rights. Uh, we also have uh, an emerging uh, focus on K through 12 issues. So yeah, we, we try and, and kind of have an ear to the ground, I would say, on a lot of issues surrounding education because Obviously, the these the, none of it exists in a vacuum. All of it kind of flows together, and it's it's important that students understand their rights. So we try and work with individual students, student organizations, to that end as well. Uh, so yeah, there, there there's there's a lot going on here. It's a busy time. Is there uh, an effort uh, to? Um, I, I don't know, establish continuity between colleges, and I wonder if the same um, might be be said or explored with regard to public and private K-12 through schools. Uh, when you say establish continuity... Similar policies. Yeah, uh, I, 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 absolutely. I think... Um, we have that uh, sort of a uh, stoplight rating system, for example. So when you have policies that just on their face are unconstitutional and strike very broadly, we award it a red light rating. Uh, and we award green light ratings just to policies that don't threaten uh, free speech uh, at all. And... I would say we also have uh, on our website a model speech policies page that provides language that schools could adopt uh, that would that would 
respect free speech. And we certainly uh, encourage schools to adopt that language. I, I would say continuity to the degree, to the extent that it respects the First Amendment. Um, that being said, obviously, every campus is different. Uh, a lot of, you know, what work, what policies that may work on a large campus with, you know, 20,000 students uh, may not work at a small private liberal arts college. Um, so every, it's important that there's flexibility for them to do, adopt policies that best serve their interest. But every school should respect uh, students' free speech rights. How common is it, Ryan, that you find uh, colleges that you would give a red light to? Is that something that happens uh, in every state? Does it happen fairly often? Um, what, is there a percentage that you look at? Uh, so we we look at every school as as it uh, as an individual school, but nationwide, it's a about 19% of uh, colleges uh, in our annual spotlight report earn uh, a red light rating, meaning they have at least one red light policy. The trouble that we uh, ran into with Michigan is that that number is closer to 27%. Uh, so it's significantly hot. Uh, there are significantly more red light schools in, that we saw in Michigan than the nationwide average, um, but it, it is uh, a, a nationwide problem, so that, that's definitely the case, yeah. Is, uh, um, is there a state, uh, I mean, can, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but um, can you identify a state that maybe has the least number of red light colleges or colleges with red light policies? I'm not sure of the, of the state with the least red light policies. I do, I do know that the state with the most green light policies um, it is North Carolina, which I know I mentioned before as the state that we did the first uh, statewide report in. When that started, uh, we, we we first did a report on North Carolina schools in 2010. And at that time, I don't believe they had any green light schools. And in the decades since that report came out, we've worked with a number of schools to the point that they now have, uh, by a significant margin, the most green lights uh, in the nation. And it would be fantastic if Michigan followed that lead. So the organization FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, is more than a watchdog group. You actually work with these institutions to improve. That's right, yeah. My, uh, the department that I'm in, uh, policy reform, works with administrators to go um, over any problematic policies, any anything that... Uh, could be improved, and we'll work with them every step of the way to uh, reform those policies and make sure that students' rights are protected. Are the colleges um, pretty pretty willing to work with you? I mean, when you do one of these studies, do you get contacted by program officers from the various colleges uh, saying how can how can we do this better? 
Uh, I'd say so, yeah. I, I think... Um, or do you reach out lot... to them and offer them the the consultation? I'd say it goes both ways. Uh, uh, fairly regularly. Um, we, we try and be as proactive as possible in making sure that uh, universities know that we're available as a resource. Um, but when, when we put out reports like this, uh, our annual spotlight report, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of schools that th their ears kind of perk up when they, when they see their name in, in a not so great light, uh, as may be the case with a report like this. And I, I think that they, they want, they, a lot of schools want to do right by their students, uh, and, we're happy to help with that, absolutely. Well, this is, um, this is fascinating. You said that FIRE has been around for, what, 20-plus years? That's right, yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm just hearing about it, and, and my apologies. I should be more aware. But... Um, <laughs> Let me let me ask this because we're we're getting close to the end of our time, Ryan, and it's it's uh, it's fun talking with you. I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, not just the report, the state of the speech codes uh, for Michigan. Um, but uh, the organization itself, Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, and the work that you're doing, past, present, and future, um, is is there a website you'd like to share? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, our website is thefire.org. Um, we monitor a lot of current policy violations. Uh, we have a lot of stories about uh students uh that have their free speech rights uh threatened on campus and we also have a lot of resources like the uh, michigan report uh or plenty of other uh surveys reports uh, we also have opportunities for in, uh, students who feel that their free speech rights have been threatened to submit cases to us um so there's a lot on the uh, on the website, and I'd, I'd encourage everyone to check it out. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for spending this time with me, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. That was uh, Ryan Anslone. He is a program officer for the uh, Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, or FIRE, and uh, they just recently um, released a new study by the foundation uh, analyzing the state of free speech at 26 Michigan colleges and universities and uh, found that uh, well over half of those colleges maintain free expression policies that restrict or could too easily be interpreted to restrict student speech. We're going to let our broadcast partners have a little uh, free speech here as we uh, go to break. Um, 
If you're listening to us on WFOVLP 92.1 FM Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Odyssey House and Spectacle Productions. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's pure Michigan. 
Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I said no, I didn't no. want to take it. No, sometimes you're not supposed to sing that. Well, sometimes a fellow doesn't feel like taking it, he just stands right up and says no. I didn't want to I didn't Tommy. know it upset you this much. I just don't well, want to take it. To the song. Too no. bad you caught me on an off night like that. I just don't want to take it Tommy, when a fellow stands folk up and always says take it. I just I You know that? You haven't even read the folk singer's guidebook. You oh, You haven't even read the folk singer's credo. You, you don't know what it is to be a folk singer. Oh. You're a big phony. You? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Tell me, have you read the folk singer's credo? Yeah, well, Are you a folk singer? Yes, I are. Okay. Then you've read the guidebook, right? And you've read the credo. I Remember did. when you got your guitar, came with a book? Came with a book and an Arthur Godfrey chord changer. Yeah, I read Mom read it to me. Yeah, okay. What does the folk credo say? It says, all folk singers are obligated... To do what? Dickie, I didn't know. Obligated to do what? I, I, I don't remember what it, what it said there. Say the whole credo. Come on. All folk singers are obligated to take it. That's right. He said to take it. If you feel like it. If you no, don't feel like it. No, it doesn't say if you feel like it. It says all folk singers are obligated to take it without hesitation, without thinking. They're to take it like a reflex. You take it, Tom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, well, so when know. I say take it, I want to see you hop to it all the time, every time. Dickie the dictator. Boil that cabbage down. Take it, Tom. Boom, 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 all the time. <laughs> 
Hundreds of years ago, the railroad started in America. Rugged men of yesteryear went on the vast wilderness of early America with a great dream in their minds, and vision in their eyes, and big nine-pound hammers clasping their hands. These were men of yesteryear building a vast railroad, a vast spiderweb of steel rails spanning across the width and breadth of the country, toiling and inching their way under the, under the lucky old sun. <laughs> they inched and toiled their way across the vast bosom of America. I'll <laughs> throw a little sex in the show. All right, all right. But this wasn't just a fun job. You're a real garbage mouth, you know that? You're talking about history, remember? Well, there was, there, these railroad men, it wasn't fun. They faced dangers. These men of yesterday, where they went, there lurked dangers. Some of the railroad men, they'd be working in the mountains, and in the mountains, there's a lot of, a lot of dangers lurking in the mountains. These railroad men sometimes would stop at like at night when they were resting. Sometimes there's more the nervous, some of the nervous railroad men, they'd jump out of bed in the middle of the night, they'd say, Hey, I saw a danger lurk. Well, what kind of dangers? There was dangers lurking in the mountains and they had to build the railroads across raging deserts and blazing rivers and across the plains of America and there lurked dangers. Tommy. Raging Deserts and blazing rivers. They were tough, man, to get across those. Yeah, I think so. And these real men, to make it even worse, they, they were fearless men. They had to build railroads. Wait till you hear this. They had to build railroads across crevices. Deep crevices in the ground. And these real men had to span these crevices with big railroad pretzels. And in the bottom of these crevices, Oftentimes in the bottom of these crevices there lurked pumas. Vicious pu that's right, pumas with claws and that's foam wrong. coming out of these there pumas' mouths. Tommy, that's wrong. And they have there bad were... breath, too. There weren't any pumas down there. There was the pumas, and oh, these rare men, they'd say, Wow, look at those pumas down Stop there in the there crevice. There weren't any hey, pumas. Hey, I don't want to build a railroad across this crevice. I don't care what you say, there's pumas in them. Tommy. For crying out loud, there were no pumas in the there, crevices. There, there wasn't was, even one puma in one crevice. There, there was, there there was, was not. There was three pumas in the crevice. Mama puma and papa puma and baby. baby puma. <laughs> Who's been sleeping in my crevice? <laughs> All right, uh... Tommy, do you want me to tell you why there were no pumas in the crevices? There was pumas. You want me to tell you why? There, the reason there weren't any, we don't have any pumas in this country. There, you see, there are no pumas in America. We, we accept everybody in America, Dickie. That's right, we do. But do you want to keep your story truthful, yes, historically I, correct? Yes, I do. And get rid of the pumas right now. I'm not going down that crevice. Well, there was these vicious beasts in these crevices, and these rare old men were sore afraid. And these women come up to these crevices, they say, Wow, look at those vicious beasts in the crevices! <laughs> sure smell like pumas. Hey, cut that out. But they weren't. But they weren't. And these railroad men were sore afraid. Yet the railroads were completed. 
Yes, Americans. We can look back with pride on the historical archives of American history, where these men of yesteryear completed this giant task, the transcontinental railroads. It took a Herculean effort on the part of these men, but the task was completed. And you're probably saying, you probably wonder, when is this song coming? Maybe. Well, a big feast transpired, and a sole substance for this feast, for these ravenous railroad men of yesteryear, in this big feast, the sole substance was hotcakes boiled in cabbage juice. Big giant uh, pancakes um, boiled in a pot of uh, cabbage juice for several hours. <laughs> then they'd eat it. <laughs> hotcakes and cabbage juice, those guys all think it's swell. But every time I eat the stuff, I always feel like bleh. Oh, boil that cabbage down, boys, turn that old cake brown. The only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. Working on the railroad, working all day long. Take it. Well, well, well. When someone says, take it, you're supposed to take it. I suppose you've read the folk singer Credo, you shot your mouth off about it enough, and then when I say take it, you didn't take it. When someone says take it, you're supposed I'm, to take I'm, it. Are you a sorry. folk singer? I'm very sorry. Don't get belligerent. I, why didn't you take it? When someone I'm not says, trying to get belligerent because you were absolutely right. You stood Boy, up. that really makes me angry when a guy doesn't take it. That's right, and it makes me angry too. And I think anybody who doesn't take it should be severely chastised, Tommy. Because you were right. The way you said take it was in a true folk tradition. You stood up there on your own two feet and you said take it with authority. You knew what you were doing. You're a, a man who, who knows where he's going. That's the way you were. You said take it. And I didn't take it. I know that I didn't take it. I, I don't know what happened. I, I assumed, see, I assumed you were going to take it. Well, but you're supposed I know to... it. I'm supposed to take it. A folk singer should never assume anybody else is going to take it. And I should have, I should have known. I should have been alert. And I, and I wasn't. I... I guess my mind was just wandering, that's all, and I, I apologize for not taking it. No, I assure you, I'll do my best to see that it, it never, ever happens again, honestly. I'll let it go this time. Working on the railroad, working all day long, take it. Working, 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 working. Boil the cabbage down, boys, turn, turn, oh, kick round. The only song I ever did sing, boil the cabbage, boil the cabbage down, boy. Turn that old cake round. The only song I ever did sing is boil that cabbage down. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 